This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. You're listening to a section of the LibriVox NaNoWriMo project, in which a number of LibriVox volunteers write and record a whole novel together, in serial form, during November 2006. The project is based on the idea started by the National Novel Writing Month. Chapter 21 Written by Maria Morabi Recorded by Maria Morabi Trevor found himself staring out of the window as the plane flew high above the ocean. He felt no compulsion to use the computer and go online, especially not with Gray watching him. But that was not the only reason for his hesitation. For the first time in a very long while, he allowed himself to feel tired. Tired of everything that had ever meant anything to him. He pressed his forehead against the cool glass and stared at the water below. Becky had loved the ocean. He remembered the trip they'd taken long ago. It had been early springtime then, and the flowers were just starting to bloom. They had gone to Stanford, mainly because Becky had research to do. Of course, in the end, they'd hardly gotten any research done. Trevor smiled at the memory. Becky had decided she wanted to stay outside and watch the waves instead. It seemed like it had taken place so long ago. It had been, what, twenty years ago? Trevor sighed. Maybe it had happened long ago. But not so long ago that it had been forgotten. Everything had changed since the plane crash. Trevor shuddered at the memory. They hadn't even had a proper funeral for the victims. And now she was gone again. He could hardly believe he hadn't recognized her. But he hadn't. He took a deep breath. He was starting to lose his composure. He felt a hand on the back of his arm and started upright. His forehead felt cold from where it had been pressed against the glass. "'There's where they are,' said Gray, pointing out of the window. Trevor stared, wondering if he'd fallen asleep. They were flying over land now. He could partially see the cathedral Gray was pointing to. It towered above the other buildings. It was old, and that was basically all he could see. A few minutes later, they had landed at what seemed to be a private airfield in the middle of a veritable ancient ruin. Trevor stood up, his legs shaking a little. Trevor remained silent as they disembarked, his mind blank except for one thought. If you won't do it for us, consider doing it for her. He wished life would just go back to being simple. No organizations with hidden agendas. Nothing. Gray was saying something. Trevor looked at him and realized the man was speaking into a mic. Arrived. Repeat. I have Trevor. Has a second Tracy arrived? Negative, sir, came the reply. She should be here soon. Reynolds is bringing her in. Good. Let me know when she gets here. Yes, sir. Gray turned to Trevor. Follow me. There's someone you should see. Having no choice, Trevor followed the other man up a few moss-covered steps into a large courtyard. When Gray had said cathedral, Trevor had assumed he'd meant just that, a cathedral. But it seemed that he was wrong. This was no mere cathedral. After all, how many cathedrals had their own courtyard and landing strip? The rumble of another plane approaching pulled him from his ruminations, and he looked back, expecting to see the aircraft landing. It wasn't, however, and continued flying overhead. It was then that Trevor noticed it wasn't a Worldcon plane. Gray noticed that Trevor wasn't following. He gestured toward the old building. Come, there will be time for wondering later. Professor Andel Prazog paced in his cell. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know how he'd gotten there or what time it was. 
The only thing he did know was that they'd taken him for a reason. They wanted his skills, his abilities, and no. He didn't think he was deluding himself and assuming they wouldn't kill him. They wanted him alive. Now, who exactly were they? He could hear the footsteps of the person in the cell next to him. Judging by their lightness, they were the footsteps of a woman. Occasionally, he could hear snatches of conversation, or at least half a conversation. He knew for certain that only one person was in the cell next to his, and that one person had been moved there only recently. Trevor, what have you gotten me into, he thought. In the other cell, the woman had started talking again. This time, there was mention of tea and top. Perhaps the poor soul was losing her mind? The door opened. Light flooded the cells. What kind of person kept a dungeon? Prasak peered at the newcomers. One looked familiar. Trevor? Trevor did not seem to notice him and just kept looking into the other cell. Prasak wondered what was so interesting. Tracy! Trevor's voice was hoarse. Tracy, you okay? The man standing next to Trevor cleared his throat. Prozok saw the look of consternation pass across Trevor's face as he spun around and faced the man. Some sort of unspoken conversation passed between them. Trevor, I'm so glad to see you! It was the woman's voice. Trevor looked back at her. To Prozok, his eyes were wild, frightened, like a young child that only recently lost its mother. There was something false about the way she spoke that put Prozok on edge. Trevor seemed not to notice it, however. He seemed to have withdrawn into his own private world, surrounded only by his thoughts. Prozak could see the change that had been wrought in his personality and wondered what had caused it. Gone was a normally cheerful, confident Trevor. In his place was a silent, brooding man. Prozak sighed. The ratio of things he didn't know to things he did know was a lot to a little. It distressed him terribly. Reynolds is here, sir, said the voice in Gray's earpiece. He's got the other woman. Good, Gray muttered. He watched as Trevor stood in front of the woman who was or wasn't his sister. In a way, he pitied Trevor. His task would be a hard one. Not only his task, but perhaps the rest of his life as well. Tell him to bring her down. Yes, sir. Trevor heard footsteps coming down the stairs he had only recently traversed himself. The stairs down to the dungeon. He almost laughed at the thought. A dungeon, and one that was being used at that. Who would have imagined it? The door burst open and his sister entered, or he thought she was his sister. In any case, it was a woman who resembled Tracy. She was followed by a man in an unidentifiable military-style uniform. It was this man who caught Trevor's attention. Reynolds, was it? The name meant nothing to him, but the man's stance, his face, were so familiar. Here she is, sir. The flight was a bit rough, but we made it. Trevor racked his memory. Where had he heard that voice before? Thank you, Sergeant Reynolds. How are your men? Fine, sir, he glanced at Trevor, seeming oddly nervous. The brown girl? Trevor didn't give him a chance to finish his sentence. He finally remembered. Reynolds had been the one in charge of the soldiers that had shot at him, had killed Becky. He launched himself at Reynolds, thrusting his sister, if the woman was really his sister, aside. All coherent thoughts left him. He was overcome by the animal need to hit, to strike and cause injury. He felt his fist hit hard muscle and didn't care about the fact that he was a middle-aged, not particularly physical man, or that his opponent was much younger and stronger than he was. He didn't care about anything. 
He was only vaguely aware of a cell door scraping open, of Grace's voice shouting from a distance. Footsteps resounded against the stone floor and people flooded into the dungeon. He felt arms wrap around him, trying to pull him away. He heard what sounded like a gunshot and felt blood spattered on his body. There were shouts all around him. He gradually became aware that his hands were wrapped around a man's throat. He squeezed. Rebecca. Hazel. He felt like a knight sworn to avenge his beloved's death. Someone struck the back of his head. Spots danced before his eyes, but his grip remained strong. Another blow, this time to his stomach. He released his grip a little, enough for Reynolds to push him off slightly and gasp for breath. Trevor let out an animal yell and reached for the man again. At the same time, he heard a woman scream. A man, gray he supposed, let out a warning. He turned around and saw the cell door ajar. The woman who had been its sole occupant stood before him, a knife in her hand. Before he could say a word, before he could move, she'd struck. He managed to deflect the blow so that it missed his heart, but the pain that accompanied its savage slide into his body was intense. He dropped to his knees slowly. In his dimming vision, he could see the woman take a few steps backwards, her eyes bright. Was triumph? Reynolds, are you okay? He heard Gray asking. He felt somebody's hand touch his and moved his head. It was his sister, he was fairly sure. It was the Tracy that hadn't just tried to kill him anyway. Someone get a doctor! Was that Professor Prozok's voice he heard? What was he doing here? Take that woman back into her cell and guard her. It was Gray again. Trevor tried to see what was going on. The effort of trying to sit up was too much for his battered body. He fell back against the stone floor. Pain stabbed through his head as he came in contact with the ground. The world spun itself into darkness. The last thing he heard before he became completely unconscious was a conversation. He heard Tracy's voice. He supposed it was her voice, saying, Who is she? Gray replied, An enemy. And then a muffled sob followed by, What do you want from us? Gray's reply was soft, Your help. Why? A tear splashed onto his hand, and for a while he stopped feeling or hearing. End of chapter 21. Recorded on November 21st, 2006.